What's in the bag? A shark or something? Put the bunny back in the box. This is Two Guys Five Movies. This is one of your co hosts, Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pelican. You're listening to The Quick Cage, where Frank watches Nick Cage movies, so you don't have to. Frank, which Nick Cage movie are you going to be talking about tonight? Uh, so, tonight we're going to discuss Bad Lieutenant, colon, Port of Call, New Orleans, uh, 2009 um, crime drama, I guess, uh, directed by uh, Werner Herzog. Um, it's in no way related to the original Bad Lieutenant with Harvey Keitel, um, with the exception of the fact that it shares a name and it's about a police officer who kind of abuses his power and authority um, to basically like take graft and do bad things. Um, but other than that, they're completely separate stories. So. Uh, Cage is a um, pretty pretty well respected, uh, I guess, vice or homicide detective, probably vice in New Orleans post Katrina. Um, he injures himself saving a criminal from the rising floodwaters inside a jail, um, which causes him to become addicted to uh, opiates. Um, he's got a girlfriend who's a prostitute. Uh, that's played by um, Eva Mendez. Um, I mean, he's basically like at heart in the beginning, just kind of a decent cop who just has sort of like some bad addictions, but then kind of spirals um, throughout the course of the movie into doing like worse things and falling in line with um, Exhibit, who's a drug dealer. Um it's a pretty ridiculous movie in a lot of ways. I mean, honestly, so I saw this movie on DVD, like when it was released, I guess pretty much probably the week that it came out on DVD. It was a long time ago and I hated it the first time I saw it. Um, but then like on further, like watching it this time, just as part of the quick cage, I was really kind of like charmed by it. Like, I think the cage's performance is a controlled over the top like mania, um, which typically when he gets manic, it's really obnoxious or it's like overbearing. But here I think that he sort of like how it is in color out of space where he kind of um, reins it in a little bit when he needs to. Um, and there still is an actual character at the core of this guy, as opposed to just being like a caricature which I think is another one of the problems of you look at something like Wicker Man where it's like a one note character. Basically they try to build with backstory and this guy actually has some nuance to him and mm -hmm. generally is trying to do the right thing. And even though he's breaking the law, like he's still is in some ways like trying to take criminals down and trying to, you know, 
whatever. He's just a guy that has problems, and it's it's a really good um, look at, I think, addiction, Um, especially with the Mendez character as the prostitute, you know, kind of like becoming sober and sort of, I don't know, cleaning herself up. So much better movie than I thought it was on first first watch. Um, So you had me watch this a few weeks ago, I think. Um, Three or four weeks ago. And my only understanding of this movie was some mixed reviews that I heard initially when it came out. And there is a scene, there's a scene in the movie with Cage in the police station being kind of over the top that was kind of put out there, kind of like that Wicker Man cut that's on YouTube of like all the ridiculous, like over the top shit in that movie. And it was kind of presented in the same way. Like, look at Nicolas Cage overacting here. And without any context, I was like, I just always thought this was like, oh, this is a ridiculous Nicolas Cage movie, like, you know, where he's over the top again and it's bullshit. And, um, but yeah, when you had me watch it, so I was a, I was a little incredulous, like when you told me like you actually liked it a bit more and, and had me watch it. But um, overall, I I thought the movies was was really solid. I mean, I think I think everything around Nicolas Cage might be better than Nicolas Cage in this movie. If I if I had to be honest, like I really like Nicolas Cage when he's subdued, when he tries to be over the top with his addiction. I find it a little grating at times. I find it not grating, unrealistic. I don't even find it grating because it wasn't annoying. I just found it unrealistic to a real drug addict being out of control um but even i I don't yeah i agree with that even then i could pretend it was a better than it was like you know like because i can imagine what he was going for in some ways i just didn't think there was a lot of menace when they were supposed to be menace i think that's the element that's missing with his over-the-top shit is i didn't feel a lot of menace like he's still trying to play it like this guy's the hero when in those specific cases he's not the hero um and it's almost like he's sympathizing with the character too much, I think, at times, possibly. Um, but whatever. I don't understand his nouveau shamic like process. So I don't I I don't want to speak for him, but I felt like he was sympathizing with the character a little bit too much and trying to make him a protagonist. When I think initially early on, like you were saying, like, you know, he's a good cop, it's 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 noted. But early on, he's still um uh what trying to get like nudes of a of a of a detective's wife like out yeah, of the guys just, yeah I mean but they're like I don't know him and because I think Kilmer is like a super scumbag that they don't yes. really explore that too much they don't um but he takes them and then he he doesn't let Kilmer have them I think that's part of the joke is right. that he knows that like Kilmer would like legitimately be like a creep about it so he's just like oh yeah i think i'll hold on to these but i don't get the impression that he's like keeping them to disseminate them or for his own personal pleasure i think it's more about him like getting along by being like one of the guys but still like kind of protecting yeah i just think it hints that there's a side of him that could potentially be on cd like if given the opportunity so i mean i think those seeds are planted even before the addiction is what i'm saying like of the potential for that character to come out of him um he's also super like cd pretty shortly after that i mean i know it's mm-hmm. like in the um the timeline of the the movie it's months later right like in the timeline of your yeah. fucking viewing pleasure it's like five minutes so 
Yeah. But I, I'm just saying he, he he is a complicated character. He's a guy that like I mean I think has that potential already before the addiction, but he's also a good guy. Like he fucks with the guy and pretends he's gonna let him drown the death, but eventually tries to save him. So he has like you know, he has like those complexities of yeah. good and bad in him already. And I think that Cage all I'm trying to say is I think that Cage maybe leans into like trying to show that he's ultimately a good guy despite his, you know, vices, you know, or um, those internal demons or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think that's true. I and, mean, but- and, and I think he sympathizes with them too much at times when he should be playing it possibly on those over-the-top scenes a little bit more menacing probably. And it felt like kind of just unrealistic to me when he went over the top sometimes. Um, yeah. That's it. I've seen enough Nicolas Cage that when I get decent Nicolas Cage, like I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> right, I got you. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I, it was it was surprising to me that I enjoyed it as much as I did because I have seriously been putting off watching this movie for um, a few months now, at least. Like I've thought about it like repeatedly, and I was like, oh, like I can't sit through that shit again. Right. Um, I don't know why I hated it so much before, except maybe it was just, maybe I just like took it wrong or I was expecting it because I think there's an element of humor to all of it. Right. Like, I think it's yes, both on the part of Herzog and Cage, slightly tongue in cheek. Yeah, I, I think it's like, the, it's like a tongue in cheek version of the shield or something. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, but it was, it's not like a fantastic movie. It's not a movie that I would ever probably put on like a best of list. Um, maybe I could find some best of. I mean, do, let me ask you if this is too ridiculous, right? Like, because you know Herzog much better than I do. Uh, but I know he's an intellectual. I know he's a very thoughtful guy from what interviews I've seen. Um. I know he's very philosophical. Do you think that this movie could actually be a statement about the anti-heroes of the early 2000s, mid 2000s, where it's like almost mocking a little bit the idea that we idolize characters like Tony Soprano and Walter White and Dick Mackey and these deeply flawed kind of protagonist anti-heroes heroes slash becomes the villain and that this movie is kind of making fun of all that in some ways if it wasn't Herzog I would say I don't know I mean I guess that's possible I, I feel like I cannot imagine Werner Herzog watching any of that stuff like, but maybe, I don't know. I mean, it's... He's starring in The Mandalorian, you know? I mean, yeah. I would I would have never thought that either, so... Right. I don't know, it's just, it's weird. Like, I don't... It's one of those things that we've talked about this probably more on the real podcast, or the... The, <laughs> the, the weekly podcast. Primary, right. Um, I don't like to know things about people that I like. Like, you know, like, I find that the more I know about someone, the more I kind of detest them, and right. it becomes hard for me to enjoy, like, their stuff, so I like Werner Herzog enough, and I think that there might be some stuff there that I might not like too much, 
like I know like all the stories about you know him getting like shot during an interview and then continuing the interview but I don't know I don't know like what he thinks about pop culture or what he thinks about the world in general so I don't know but I mean it seems like a plausible plausible idea that it is like criticism of that I know that Abel Farrar the um, director of the original Bad Lieutenant hates this movie um yeah and actually they him and Herzog had some kind of a come to Jesus at some point, like privately, where they sort of made up, but um Abel Farrar would like shit on this movie for a very long time. Because yeah. I think that it was framed to him as being a remake mm-hmm. or like a sequel in some ways. And I you know Oh, Herzog had actually never seen a Star Wars film before he took that role. He just liked the script. <laughs> So maybe not. Maybe you're right. Maybe he has never seen like any of those kind of things like before. I mean, he's he's a weird dude, and he just I think when he like finds a project that he's interested in, he just does it. It's like he did the documentary The Little Dieter Learns to Fly and then made Rescue Dawn, you know, and like mostly just because he was fascinated with the idea of this guy, you know, the soldier surviving. And so he wanted to do it. I think that when he finds something that he enjoys, um, you know, it's just his thing. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have any. I mean, I, I don't think if you read about him at all, I don't think you'd find anything like um, too bad. Like, I, he's he doesn't have a, any real major controversies or anything like that. So, yeah, <laughs> that's good. I'd, it's like, look, his filmography. That's what I'm right. doing right yeah there was something that he he produced a Loch Ness monster hmm. do you remember this no he wrote it I'm sorry it's called incident at Loch Ness so do you remember um what was that place you know um uh, Malfi's, the, the Italian place that we used to get the tomato pies from. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, Heavenly Deli, right? That's what that place used to be called? Oh, right, yes. Okay. Oh, Heavenly had a poster for this fucking movie, Incident at Loch Ness. Okay. That was signed by somebody. I don't know who it was signed by, but it was like when you first walked in the door to your right. And when we used to go in there and get subs and shit, like back in the day where we could actually hang out in public and eat food without fear of dying. Um, I used to stare at that poster and think, like, fucking Werner Herzog wrote this movie. Like, that's so crazy. I've never seen it. Hmm. My Werner Herzog game, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, not, it's not a very good one. <laughs> but I always think about, like, I should watch that movie and see. Um, see what it's like. See what, like, a Herzog scripted horror movie is all about. Right, right. <laughs> um... So, Cage performance, I would say, on, like, the Cage scale is probably a 7 out of 10. Um, to your point, there is some, like, ebb and flow to it in the sense that, like, it's kind of manic and over the top, and it can be unbelievable. I think the worst part is when he's with Exhibit and Exhibit's, like, posse, and he's acting like the drugged out, down white guy, right? Does that yes, make sense? it does, yep, mm-hmm. And I know that, like, I, I know that the intention of those scenes is to show that, like, 
not that he is a down white guy, but that he's this ridiculous middle-class cop that thinks that he's like down mm-hmm. and is trying to emulate like words that he's heard people say, but doesn't understand what those words mean. Right. Right. And he's just hot. So like the scene in the car where he threatens to shoot exhibit, which I think is a really good scene that ends really weird with him. And then the scene where they're doing drugs and exhibits like living room or office mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. Um, and cage like kind of, goes crazy and starts um yeah i got you there there's that the only other scene i would add to that is um like the cuckold scene where like he like fucks the prostitute like against the car like while the dude that she was like trying to like that was dating her or paying for or whatever like when he basically you thought she was a prostitute wasn't she no i think she was just a rich Oh, is there a later in the same, like, almost alleyway? There's a later a prostitute in one of those scenes? Um, I'm pretty, I'm, one of them, there's two different scenes with women like that. Maybe it's the second one there's, with a prostitute. There's, there's that scene that happens about midway through the movie. Maybe a little bit before the midway point. And then there's the scene that happens, like, towards the end, after you think that he's sober. Where he basically does the same thing to two people who are almost exactly the same but they're a different they're two different actors one one of them it's implied that she's she's actually a prostitute you thought so i don't know yeah, the implication. yeah there's there, there's something in the dialogue there that implies one of them's a prostitute and i can't remember which one it is oh I, I thought he was just being an asshole well either way it's like that scene i think he's like way over the top and it's like not very it, it's it's grating and kind of yeah. all but that's that's a specifically that scene is what i'm thinking of that in the exhibit scene like when he's hanging out with all of them those are the two scenes when i was saying it's like it's almost like grading he's over the top point they also both go on for like maybe two or three minutes too long yeah like yep. it just it, it it overstays well it overstays welcome and it's like it would overstay right. its welcome well if it was done in an uncomfortable way to make you feel uncomfortable but that's what i'm saying it's like it goes on too long and cage tries to sympathize with that character too much so it's yeah. never uncomfortable <clears throat> yeah i agree with that. um so a little bit of nicholas cage news from today mm-hmm. um netflix series premieres in about a month uh the history of curse words or the history of foul language i can't remember exactly what it's called um swear words is, swear words sorry which is hosted by cage um it's a uh, somewhat freeform, I think, um, improv in some ways. Uh, it's got a whole bunch of comedians that I don't know because, as everyone knows, I don't like funny things. Um, plus uh, Nick Offerman and Sarah Silverman and maybe Aubrey Plaza. Jim Jeffries um, is also on there. You have to know Jim Jeffries, right? Is he the one with the puppets? No. Never mind. Who's that? Oh, that's Jim Gaffigan or something, right? Something like that, yeah. Jim Jeffries. I probably would know him if I saw him. Yeah, I think you would. Um, anyway, so to me, it kind of sounds like a like a low-rent drunk history in a lot of ways. That's exactly what um, it is, I think, yeah. But, you know, I mean, probably worth watching for a few episodes. And it's on Netflix, so either it'll be really good and popular and it'll get renewed or you'll just never have to think about it again. Well, you got a limited yeah. list of swear words eventually, don't you? Like... 
yeah, I guess. I mean, if you start combining shit, you know, like you come up with a whole bunch, or maybe you go into different languages. Like, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. That's probably true. Um, plus, it it's it, it's got things like there's um like etymologists and oh yeah, they uh, actually go into the history of stuff. Like yeah, 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 uh-huh. yeah like, 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 like yeah, yeah, and the psychology of things and. Mm-hmm. So I think that if they do one word at a time, you at least have, what, like seven episodes, right? Eight episodes? Yeah, I think this is a six-part series to start with. I can't remember. I know it was like, fuck, bitch. I can't remember. I, I read it. I read it. Yeah, I read it earlier. Fuck, today. bitch, dick, pussy, shit, damn, or something weird. Right. Um, but anyway, so I like it'll be worth watching, I think. Yeah. Um. And Netflix is also in the next month adding seventy two new movies to their slate. So well, they gotta give me they gotta give me something for increasing a fucking dollar again already. I mean, yeah. you ain't gonna miss that dollar. Those are those are those, those are the those those are the 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 great content that they were telling me when they told me that they were going to up the 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 price again. Maybe it will be great content. Maybe. I'm looking at my free to watch section of if it's um, if it's if it's the fucking swear word show. It's like I'm never going to watch that because while you don't like things that are funny, I don't like things that are too close to real life for documentaries. So um, I'll never watch that probably. What if it makes you laugh, I don't care about that. I'm looking at so I subscribe to YouTube Premium. I think we probably talked about that before, and I'm looking at my YouTube Premium free to watch movies. Mm-hmm. And are they really free to watch if I pay for premium? That's one. That's what I'm thinking. Yes. Like, aren't I really just kind of paying to watch them? Just I'm not paying to watch them individually. I mean, would you say the same thing about Prime? Like, it's no different. No, it's different because Prime. What I pay for Prime for, ostensibly, is for free shipping through Amazon. But I mean, does YouTube have movies that? are free to watch through youtube but then there's movies that you can pay to watch too right yeah but there's also movies that you could watch for free through youtube right because people have uploaded them to so YouTube. so without a premium account you're signed into your premium account so i would get movies that would be free to watch that would be a non premium member and then you have more movies that are free to watch as a premium member but there's also movies you could buy so i still think it holds I don't think it's oh, any different. God than... forgives I don't is um free to watch. Oh. Yeah. I'm gonna have to watch that. Who knows when? I still gotta watch two movies for the nineteen uh nineteen ninety list. I gotta watch one that I gotta get from you. Um, when? Oh yeah. Oh shit. I'm gonna forget to bring that to you. We'll 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 talk about it. I mean, we'll figure it out. Um, um but, uh, but yeah, I, I got, got one I'm, there. I'm gonna and, pull it out after the podcast and yeah. put it with to, take the work. I got I got one there and I got one for two thousand and then I'm done and I'm gonna need to get like at least probably another week or so. I'll probably need to get the list, the January list for you because you know this month's gonna go by quick probably. <clears throat> um so the other thing I want to talk about before um before we sign off. Is uh today is John Cassavetti's birthday, mm-hmm. uh, where he's still alive and he's been dead for um just about twenty years now, a little bit more than twenty years, twenty one years I guess. Um, one of my favorite uh, indie directors from the seventies, like one of the first true 
non B movie like independent directors um, who funded most of his films, at least partially, with his own earnings from being an actor. Um, you know, we've talked about uh, what do we talk about? Chinese bookie. We talked about the killing of a Chinese bookie, which is episode twenty-seven of the podcast. Um, it is the top five crime films in the nineteen seventies. One of our more listened to episodes um and uh i think that is it frank actually i can't believe i've never put faces or um woman under the influence on a list because um, i love those movies was, uh was woman under the influence almost i can't remember honestly like what is that movie about that's the one that's um uh his fucking wife uh, gina Rollins. Um. Yeah, we talked about this. Depressing movies, right? Isn't it on the depressing movies list? Oh. Or no, is it no. under the women? The women list, the compelling female leads. Oh, uh, let me look. Oh, go ahead and talk about it. I'll. I'll... I, mean, I don't want to talk about it because I want to put it on a freaking. No, no, no. I mean, go ahead and talk about. Oh, that. um, yeah. I was gonna say, kiss my ass, Chris. Um. <laughs> Cassavetes, uh, yes. yeah, just really great at like pulling the humanity out of characters and finding, um, no, no, just the the soul of like situations that might seem commonplace or beneath. I don't know estimation. I mean, Chinese bookie is definitely fantastical in the sense that it's about you know like the mob and crime and whatever, but. Stuff like Faces and um, Woman Under the Influence and like those are, I mean, they're just they're just movies and they're very like small and they're but like so impactful just in the way that he films it. And I think that he had a great ability to pull like the best performances out of actors. And I love his film style. Like I think that he's the, one of the quintessential '70s directors, especially um, just in the way that his movies look. Um, but yeah, just a uh, just a little shout out to a guy that um I don't know, I really like a lot. Really find to be compelling and unfortunate that he's uh been dead for so long. Yes, Father sorry. of Nick Nick Cassavetes. Yes, so many episodes, Frank. Um, no, we did not do Woman Under the Influence on that episode. Um, it's so weird. I swear that you and I, maybe you and I just have you seen that I, movie? I have not. No, I looked it up. I haven't seen that movie before. Um, hmm. you've taught you've told me about it so many times in your life. No, a woman is a woman, Cleo from five to seven, aliens, red, and black swan was on that list. Mm, that's a good list. Yeah, it was a good list. Also, one of our more popular episodes, top, top five compelling female leads. Um, um anyway, so yeah. it's it's no, I've told you. I've always. I mean, we haven't. We've had this like, like a Cassavetes episode, like on the back burner for like ever, like as like one of those like director centric episodes. So, and he's always been one of them. Because <clears throat> I know you love that guy. Very much so. So happy birthday to him. Yeah. For at happy least birthday. a couple more hours at this point. Um, go watch his. Uh, if you have Criterion channel, it's some of his stuff's on there. Um, you ever want to borrow some DVDs? Let me know. I guess hit me up. I got you. <laughs> All right. All right. 
Okay. So, um, the only, oh, the only thing I want to say is, uh, I watched a horror movie on, it was a Shutter exclusive called DFW, um, the other night. Um, oh, it was Fort Worth? No. It's just called DFW, like, where veterans go, like... Um, oh, like VFW. V, V, yeah, V is in Victor, yes. Oh, v. I'm sorry, I think you said DFW. Oh, no, no, no. V, uh, that means something different to me to DF, DFW. No, that's that's D, D, DTF. D, no, no. <laughs> that, does, that has no meaning in my life anymore, it seems. Um, but um, no, V as in Victor, VFW um, uh, is a horror movie that stars like William Sadler and Fred Williamson that was made this past year. It's about a bunch of old dudes um in this kind of like future society that like wants to mimic robocop um and these like drug addled people this new you know stylized drug become like zombies so i guess it's off that fucking drug that actually kind of does that to people um but uh so it's some riff but it's like kind of futuristic um it was it was fucking terrible don't ever watch it if you get the chance doesn't sound interesting don't worry yeah Okay. You could have told me it was amazing, and I would have said, "Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll check that out." And I never would have. I've been, I've been really busy um, this week with a uh, you know grading and stuff. So like that was like I think the only movie that I got a chance to watch like uh, this week that was outside of the podcast, really. So um, I do want to watch Mank though. I'm, 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 I'm going to try to make a an effort like in the next like three or four days to watch Mank finally. Oh right, yeah, I forgot about that. Even though it's advertised to me. Every time I, I turn on my PS4. <laughs> right. Oh, all right. So um, this week on the podcast, we will be doing the top five films of 1990. In two weeks, we will be doing the top five films of 2000. Um, and then uh, we will be moving into a brand new year full of episodes, which um, and in two months, we will have our 100th episode, um, which is crazy. Um, but as always, we will be back every week, um, regardless of our schedule with the primary podcast. Uh, We'll be back every week with the quick cage. um, And thank you for listening. Yep. Have a good night.